everyone, welcome back. Today is Sunday, April 4th, 2021. And yes, I was reminded that it is Easter Sunday. So naturally, this has inspired the topic of this episode. What did the Easter Bunny bring you? I was reminded of this holiday almost all of last week, if not even earlier. Easter usually is shortly after the traditional Persian New Year, which is the first day of spring. In my birth country of Iran, we celebrate our New Year on the first day of spring. This has been our tradition for many thousands of years. We decorate a table with various items on it, with each item representing a symbol. I will not get into all of that today. But one particular item is decorated eggs. We hard boil them and paint them, and it is one of the symbols of the New Year table. It represents fertility as part of new life emerging after the winter. It is also one way to get children involved in the fun activity of painting eggs. I remember doing the egg painting. I would help myself to a few servings of hard-boiled eggs. I think many kids did. So I was curious to know how the Persian year, uh, New Year egg painting and the Easter eggs were connected. But more importantly, I was curious to know how the Easter bunny fit into the picture bringing eggs and how she manages to turn the eggs into chocolate eggs. So naturally, I did a little bit of reading. I knew that Easter is a religious holiday, a Christian holiday, but I did not know much more about it. So here's what I learned. As most holidays, Easter also has some connection to the seasons. Easter falls in close proximity to another key point in the solar year, the vernal equinox, around March 20th when there are equal periods of light and darkness. For those in the northern latitudes, like us here in Vermont, the coming of spring is often met with excitement, as it means an end to the cold days of winter. Spring also means the coming back to life of plants and trees that have been dormant for winter, as well as the birth of new life in the animal world. Given the symbolism of new life and rebirth, it makes sense for Christians to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus at this time of year. Okay, this all made sense to me. New life, new season, much like our Persian New Year. Eggs represent fertility and new life. But where does the bunny come from and how does the chocolate fit into this picture? It is a Christian holiday, and it is meant to celebrate the life of a prophet. As far as I know, chocolate as we know it did not exist around the time of Christ, right? Or am I wrong? So, I researched some more. Before I go on any further, I have to credit much of this information to Brent Landau at the University of Texas at Austin. In early America, the Easter festival was very popular among Catholics, but not so much among the Protestants. Apparently, the New England Puritans thought of um, both Easter and Christmas uh, that they were two 
tainted by non-Christian influences to be appropriate to celebrate, such as festivals um, of so the such festivals basically tended to um, be opportunities for heavy drinking and merrymaking. In the 19th century, both of these holidays changed a little when they became occasions to be spent with family. This was done partly out of a desire to make the celebration of these holidays less rowdy. Here's another interesting fact. Before the 17th century, children were rarely the center of attention of anything. They were sort of lumped together with lower level citizens, if you will. From the 17th century onward, there was an increasing recognition of childhood as a time of life that should be joyous and playful and not simply as a time of preparing for their adulthood. The discovery of childhood had apparently profound effects on how Easter was then celebrated. It is at this point in the holiday's development that Easter eggs and the Easter bunny become especially important. Decorated eggs had been part of the Easter festival at least since the medieval times because of the obvious symbolism of new life. In many Eastern European countries, the process of decorating eggs is extremely elaborate. Several Eastern European legends describe eggs turning red, a favorite color for Easter eggs, in connection with the events surrounding Jesus' death and resurrection. In the early 17th century, a German tradition of an Easter hare brings eggs to good children became popular. Hares and habit, rabbits had a long association with spring seasonal rituals because of their amazing powers of fertility. When German immigrants settled in Pennsylvania in the United States in the 18th and 19th centuries, they brought this tradition with them. The wild hare also became replaced by the more domesticated rabbit, which was another way to focus more towards children. All of this makes good sense, but I'm still puzzled about the chocolate eggs. The articles I found uh, as part of my research do not really explain anything about the chocolate aspect of this tradition. This pretty much confirmed my suspicion. Junk food manufacturers had a huge role in the peculiar transformation of eggs from a good healthy protein and a symbol of life and fertility into giant sometimes football-sized containers of toxic sugar-laden carcinogens, of course marketed to children. I can't help but wonder how these junk food manufacturers are any different from tobacco industry, targeting impressionable young children and youth with their tobacco ads. They are pretty similar, in fact. Would it surprise you to learn that many of the same processed food companies are owned by Philip Morris? It doesn't surprise me a bit. They cannot sell cigarettes as much as they used to 50 years ago, but they still can poison our kids with sugar and junk and get them addicted to a different drug. But it gets worse, if you can believe it. 
The simple and fun activity of hunting for Easter eggs by children was meant to be a joyous, fun activity that came with a reward, the painted egg. Sadly, that fun and joyous activity has been replaced by huge supermarket aisles loaded with chocolate-covered bunnies the size of a real bunny or bigger sometimes, and chocolate eggs that seem to have been laid by a dinosaur. And don't get me started on the packaging waste that further destroys the environment. I was in the grocery store a little over a week ago before Easter. I couldn't help but hear a four-year-old scream off the top of her lungs at her mother to buy her the bigger Easter bunny because the six-inch long one was not apparently big enough. And she was not sharing with her little brother either. So after a battle with the four-year-old girl, the mom gave in and bought the biggest chocolate bunny for her and gave the six-inch long smaller one to the little brother. As I watched in awe at the checkout aisle, I couldn't help but notice the number of packaged junk food that was in that cart next to the many bags of candy that accompanied the Easter bunnies. As I walked out, I also found a few Easter egg wrappers and a plastic egg container next to a tree at the parking lot of the grocery store, which I put away in the garbage. Part of me keeps reminding me to look away. Don't let it bother you. What other people feed their children is not your business. But then there's another part that reminds me it is my business. I studied cancer for many years. I still do. Not in the laboratory setting and pharmaceutical setting anymore, but more in a why and how come so much more cancer. I am more interested in preventing cancer before it haunts people, especially young people. I have encountered many people, more than I care to count, with various types of cancer in the last few years. Even more disturbing is the fact that more and more young people are diagnosed with cancer. And it is not just cancer, diabetes, heart disease, thyroid disease, depression, and more. Are we really the weakest and the most vulnerable species on this planet? How come we have so many diseases that other animals do not? Have you ever heard of a diabetic tiger or an overweight deer or an elephant with breast cancer or a giraffe with lung disease? Or is it that animals are smarter than humans when it comes to what they are supposed to eat and what they should not eat? Or are we the only species that is manipulated by the junk food industry that not only targets our children, but also tempts adults who are tempted by the convenience of processed foods and led to believe it is too expensive and too difficult to eat healthy or feed their children healthy food? In the past few years, I have had quite a few clients with seriously ill children. I recall a 14-year-old diabetic child who had to walk around with an insulin belt, a few in their early 20s with cancer, 
I keep asking myself, what is wrong with this picture? Recently, I was introduced to a family with a young son diagnosed with a rare type of cancer. This parent sounded extremely stressed and desperate. No surprise there. I cannot begin to imagine how it must feel to find out your 20-year-old has cancer. They told me they would try anything. They would do anything. They would go anywhere if it would help their son fight this. One of my first questions, of course, was, uh, what is his typical diet like on a day-to-day -day basis? And I quote, he does not like vegetables. We have to force him to eat one to two kinds of vegetables, if that. And they go on to say, he has always been, quote, a weird eater, weird about food. He has never liked healthy foods. Before his diagnosis, all he ate was frozen pizza, processed packaged foods like SpaghettiOs, whatever that is, Pop-Tarts, and etc. I honestly had to Google SpaghettiOs while I was on the call. I nearly gagged. I really had to control myself from the natural response that would come to my mind. My heart ached as I listened to this, but I could not help but ask this question in my head over and over during that phone call and for days afterwards. Who bought the pizza, the SpaghettiOs, the Pop-Tarts for your son when he was much younger? How do children become, quote, weird eaters? This is not an isolated incident. I hear this on a weekly, if not sometimes daily basis. I had a portion of my kid's pizza or a couple of their cookies. It is hard to watch my kids eat pizza while I'm trying to eat my healthy dinner. Or this came last week, quote, I had a bunch of my kids Easter candy, end quote. That is when I thought, was Easter last week? So I checked the calendar. No, it was not. So how does an adult eat a bunch of their kids' Easter candy a week before Easter? I'm not even getting into how the candy made its way into the Easter tradition. Am I really crazy? I think to myself, I must be crazy. Because more and more adults, well-informed, well-educated, financially stable adults, tell me these things. Do you really believe it is okay for kids and young adults to eat all the junk food and unhealthy toxin Latin things you are trying to avoid now because you want to get healthy again? How about not letting your kids get unhealthy to begin with so that you or they are not faced with the terrible task of making them healthy again or even trying to save their lives from a terrible terminal illness like cancer? I know I am the minority here, as usual. I am the odd one. I'm the crazy one. But I'm also the one who tosses and turns at night thinking about that 20-year-old who did not have to have cancer. Not now. I am the one who struggles watching cancer in the making in a grocery cart, carrying a 4-year-old and her toddler brother holding on to the very thing that will make them sick, overweight, diabetic, or even get cancer in a matter of years. I keep telling myself 
Look away. Ignore it. It is not your business. But I can't help it. Even when I look away, the image of a young child suffering, trying to hold on to dear life, fighting disease that could be prevented, makes that giant chocolate bunny look like a deadly monster. Okay, I will breathe here for a minute. This is difficult for me. But I feel like someone has to say these sad and ugly truths out loud. I may not be popular or even called crazy by many, but I'm okay with that. I know this is possibly too late for this year, but perhaps food for thought for the next year. How about bringing the old tradition back to life? How about having fun decorating real eggs with your kids? How about getting out and participate in the activity of hunting for real eggs that will not cost your kids their health? How about not letting the junk food industry get rich at the expense of your kids' health? How about taking control of what you buy for your young children? Choose vegetables over frozen pizza. They are just as easy to make. Kids will eat what you put in front of them. This is not a secret. After my conversation with that parent with the son who hates vegetables, I started thinking to myself, what are some vegetables that I do not like and why? I really tried and came up with nothing. There are no vegetables that I don't like. On the other hand, I gag at the sight of a can of SpaghettiOs. I like all vegetables because I had no choice as a child. There were vegetables and protein at the table and no SpaghettiOs or pizza. And I consider myself a lucky person because we didn't have SpaghettiOs or frozen pizza. And that, to me, is a beautiful thing. But no kid should really have to make the choice between healthy, colorful vegetables and something that disgusting out of a can because of convenience. That trick of convenience is going to cost a lot more and be a lot more inconvenient later between trips to the oncology ward. So take control today. Don't let the junk food monster take over your life, your health, your traditions, your child's livelihood, and yours. Don't hesitate to reach out. If I can help you and your kids restore your health for good. I hope whatever you did today to celebrate Easter does not serve as a punishment for your health tomorrow. Thank you for listening today and every week. And thanks to those who provided me with the inspiration for this episode. Here's how to reach me. Email me contact at drlolly.com or message me on Facebook, Dr. Lolly PhD. Until then, to your health and happiness.